Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Buenos días a todos. Feliz viernes, Clau. ¿Cómo estás? Buenos Bienvenidos. días a todos. Gracias por escucharnos. Hoy, viernes, septiembre. 14. 14 de septiembre. 14 de septiembre. Ya casi nuestras fiestas patrias. Ya, pues mañana, mañana festejaremos con tequila, mariachi. Ah, claro, claro. Y ojalá que sol. Esperemos. Esperemos, sí. Esperemos, esperemos que right. <risa> Tequila, pues bueno. indeed. <risa> There well, you go. So, Entiendo have... mucho, pero habla, no hay oportunidad para practicar. Oh, ah, my gosh. Perfecto. Wow. You yeah, have good pronunciation. <risa> But you understand the best part, tequila. Tequila, son. <laughs> so, All the essentials. All God. the essentials, exactly. Today, I want to welcome my friend, my neighbor in the startup incubator, the accelerator, Lily Yo. She's the, uh, the founder of Gumi Kids and my, my friend. I mean, she's an amazing woman, and I can't wait for you guys to hear her story. She's awesome. She's just a, like a little spitball of fire. Yeah. Incredible. Yes, I can wait. I mean, uh, well, we talk a little bit about Lily today, and then I'm excited to hear about your story. Lily, thank you for being with us today. Yeah. Uh, Happy to be here. Thank you yeah. for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So basically, um, uh, we, we want to know where are you from, where you started, and uh, where Lily grew up. Uh, who's Lily? Wow. Uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> First of I all. I originally born in the Philippines, uh -huh. uh, in Iloilo City, a small town in, in the Philippines. Um, half Chinese and half Filipina. And um, we moved to the United States in Portland, Oregon uh, in mid-80s and have been here in Portland ever since. Wow. That's amazing. So uh, what do you like the most about Portland? What do you do like when growing up um, in Portland? Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was definitely different now versus the Portland we moved to. I mean, imagine a kid from a small town um, where all we knew were people that looked just like us. Um, and then we moved to Portland where there were only three ethnic kids in my entire school wow. and it was me my brother and this little boy named jose oh and that's awesome <laughs> yeah. yeah and this is my picture of america and yes. so you know it is portland's gotten way 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 more diverse now um certainly more diverse every day seems like people moving um but it was it was not easy at first you know coming in and migrating and, and the language changed certainly and More importantly, you miss home a lot, right? You miss all the familiarity of home. And uh, luckily, as probably with a lot of Latin families, when they move and immigrate to another country, we, we moved to family. Uh, my uncle and, and his family were here in Portland. And so at least we had, at least in one house, there were a lot <laughs> of us in there for a year. Um, yes. But we had that mini Philippine experience still with us. And I think it really helped adjust to the new culture uh, and without that kind of community, I think it would have been much harder yes. to, 
we'll do that. Um, which, by the way, I'm still waiting for my invitation to a Filipino feast. That Lily's been promising <laughs> for right. three years since we've been right. in the incubator together. Filipino fiesta. Uh, yeah, I just wanted life. to make this parenthesis. Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. To bring it back. Now, Alan and I are going to feel like <laughs> <laughs> like we <laughs> have to go, right, Alan? We have to make sure it actually happens. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. so now, yeah, yeah, yeah. now you didn't have it on record, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and witnesses. So everybody right. listen. Witnesses, yeah. indeed. Yeah. So, uh, Lily, you just uh, mentioned something like a really good right now. Uh, for So this space is like especially uh, made for those people that are coming and immigrate from other countries and then mm -hmm. are like looking for a, like a, a, a new uh, vision of wh what America is. So you just mentioned something really, really interesting right now. Is it, that was my America. Mm -hmm. So um, how how do you like grew up with the, with the family and then who was like your... Um, uh, inspiration, inspiration yeah, to, to become an up. entrepreneur. Yes. Because I, I know she oh, went to school. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, no. So now this is really going to, let me see if I can articulate this clearly and as succinctly, but the, the fact that I was born both Chinese and Filipina plays a big role in it. Um, so I come from, on my Chinese side of the family in Philippines, we, I'm fourth generation Chinese in the Philippines. Um, and so that means my, you know, most of my family are entrepreneurs in the Philippines. I think that's just kind of how Chinese do when they leave China mm. to seek yes. new opportunity when they leave. Exactly. And and it's true very much among Chinese in Southeast Asia, whether that's Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, you name it. Um, so no different than my family. The question growing up on my Chinese side of the family never was, uh, you know, whether you're going to be in business. That's, that's not the question. It's yes. what business are you going to start and wow. when? Wow. Um, so it, it was very much a part of breathing growing up for me, uh, which and it was very different on my Filipina side, uh, where you know it's a bunch, I had a lot of educators in my family on that other side and, and politics. So you know you can understand why I'm constantly internally conflicted, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if you can if you can harness the the focus and and the uh the long-term vision of how at least my heritage my chinese heritage side um that like focuses on that future focus on the future generations and and building something of legacy um and and you it's okay to you know make sacrifices in the present because of that future mm -hmm. whether it happens in my lifetime or my future generations that's how long view yes. the chinese side works for many um, whereas the Filipinos, God love them. I think there's the Latins in the Asia, uh, you know, thanks to the Spanish moving in and taking over for 300 years. But, you know, it's all about siesta and fiesta and like living for now because tomorrow may never come. And, and I think wow. that's, there's beauty in that too. Yes. You know, that why wait for the future that may never be? And so we can't sacrifice our entire present for that future. Um, and so in many ways, I, I feel very lucky so you have that a great I have balance. both sides within. Uh, and I just got to make sure I harness the good and not always the bad, you know. But yes. um, so in that way, I think I've always I was born in, in, into that lineage of entrepreneurship, but trying to do it in a balanced way yes. um, with my heritage. Um, so uh, I think growing up, I kind of always sort of gravitated towards business pursuits. Um, and I remember a couple of pivotal times in my past where. I think it was in high school, junior year, when, you know, you go through the counselor sessions and they try to figure out what you're good at so that you can kind of focus on which college. 
And I remember thinking, you know, I'm really good at selling because uh, <laughs> I make my mom come home from the store and buy way more than she intended to all the time. <laughs> that's and my so son. I think that's sales. I think that's sales. And it, as luck or providence would have it, I got on the plane to visit my dad back in the Philippines right before my last year of school. And I was sitting next to this older gentleman and, you know, he's trying to have a conversation. I said, so how old are you? What are you doing? And so I'm going to go to uh, my last year in high school and hopefully go to college after that. And what are you going to major in? And I go to my sales, you know, thing. And then he says, well, I would, if I were you, I'd focus on marketing. It's much broader. And I'd focus on China because you'd have your career set. And, and as luck would have it, he was a Stanford professor. I find out. And, and literally that shaped so much of my collegiate career and, and onward where I focused on, you know, China studies. I spent time in Beijing. I, I studied there. I taught there. Um, and, and I got into the business school very early in my undergrad. And, and, and so it goes. Um, I think I always had a clue that probably entrepreneurship may be part of my lineage. Um, and, and so I, I sort of charted my early professional career to try to collect all these experiences that would round out, you know, if I were to start my business, I need to know about marketing. I need to know about consumer understanding my consumer. I need to know about how to bring a product to market. I need to know about the retailing aspect of the distribution. You know, so I just kind of carved my career um, early to, to collect all that know-how from hopefully the best that I could. Um, and then in my last job, which was at Ziba, design uh, I, I had my baby around that time and uh, when I met her I thought I was going to send her off to a nanny like I'd been sent off to a nanny when I was a kid and all of us and when I met her completely completely threw that out <laughs> and I when, when I met her and I said wait a second wait a second why would I pay someone else to have quality time with you that yes. I can never get back exactly um, and and this job title of mother of Eliana, that was the name of my first daughter, is a job title that is unique to me. Nobody else can have in the world. I can be VP of marketing anywhere else, but but mother of Eliana is a job yeah. title yeah. of one. Exactly. And she, by the and way, she's I, super cute. Changed yes. yeah. everything. Yes. Super yes. adorable. Yeah, We've seen him prancing around in the office every once in a while. Totally mini mini Lily. How I got to where I got. Yes. And, and I mean, that's amazing. Like we uh, all, uh, you mentioned something about having like these two cultures of uh, uh, one being focused for the future and the other one with the party, the party <laughs> part of the, the, the Latino, because yes, like a lot of Latinos are like, we, I'm going to put myself in the, in the pot too. Are we all? <laughs> yes. So. Um, and life is meant to be enjoyed and lived while yeah. you have it. Yeah. You, yes. you never know what comes. It's yes. good food, and, and friends. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's it, it, it's a real real idea, and and I I don't want to ever think that like well, they don't think for the future. It's not that, but it's it's that they do know how to really capture and um in live in the present. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something I've, I that's like not many cultures can do well. Yes. And, and that's something that I treasure very much about being Filipina. But the, is that uh -huh. you know like I don't want I don't want to lose that part either. That's very important. 
Yes, and the importance of uh, of the future too. Like uh, some, sometimes, like uh, we need to balance those things. Like uh, absolutely. Yes, I I try to. I work for the Hispanic Chamber uh, here in Portland, and uh, most of my clients are Latinos, Latino entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that are like uh, opening a business or have established business. So um, our our focus is on. Uh, try to think for the future. Try to think on like what's your vision, where you want to go. Don't don't think just on the moment. Yes, it's important, but it's uh, it's where you're going to go and then where these um, these these uh, uh, challenges are going to take you in the future. And so yeah. Um, uh, well, and, and and I just wanted to point out. I mean, like I said, you know, Lily, you know, brings in uh, a lot of ex- experience, but preparation. Mm-hmm. So none of this is good luck. None of this is just coincidence. Yeah. I mean, she's an extremely prepared woman, very driven, as you guys can hear. Yes. Uh, and you know, but be, be, before the the start of war, like she was saying, you know, she went to school. She went to school overseas uh, in Switzerland. Uh, went to one of the best MBA programs and then came back. And Lily, you, you did a stint at Nike for a while, didn't you? I did. I yeah. did. So I kind of glossed over all that. But if you want, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, know, we're when, just, when, when there was I, the corporate when world. When I went to like, yes. yeah. And I think, you know, it has as much in life, I think. Um, it, it is a combination both of preparation and, and mm-hmm. honestly, timing and luck. Um, and, and so for me, sure, none of us can predict what the future brings, both good and bad, but to the best that we can to prepare, we do that. And certainly thanks, thanks for the props. I mean, I really, I really did try to prepare as best as I could, you know, like if I'm going to learn marketing, I'm going to try to learn marketing from the best that I knew at the time, which was Nike. Um, it just so happened that I grew up with two brothers. I have no sisters. So like playing with frogs, climbing trees, sports was just part of how I play or I played all by myself. And so um, it was no surprise then, like when I, um, you know, where should I be working? Where should I, you know, learn marketing from? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in Portland and one of the best in the world live right here in the neighborhood um, in sports. Um, so Nike was uh, an easy target in that regard. Interestingly enough, when I went to college, and that's, I think, where timing kind of came in, I didn't go to college here in U of O where it's like Nikeville. I went to school in University of Washington where they had a very strong Chinese program actually that sent um, exchange programs to Beijing. But, you know, and this is where luck kind of came in where just my end of my sophomore year, um, I I already told my roommate, you know, this is is where I want to be. I'm going to work for Nike. I'm going to run their Asia Pacific practice out in Hong Kong by age 27, you know, so I'm off. You know, and and Lily has decided. uh, Yeah, I've decided. Therefore, (laughs) it's going to happen. And and so I'm going to get into the business school early. I'm going to take Chinese. I'm going to be whatever. And um, it just so happened, Nike at that time decided to run a campus rep program where they're going to pick 20 colleges in the country, and they're going to have one representative in each of these um, colleges, and they are going to be the Nike poster kid in that school. They will have all access to Nike amenities, they will have product, they will have a salary, they will have, you know, laptops, and they're going to be, uh, their job was to weave the Nike brand in the fabric of campus life. How cool, right? Um, So it just so happened that my university, University of Washington in Seattle, was picked as one of those schools, because it's a Nike school, and um, I got the job. Wow. And and so imagine my delight. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, I didn't go to 
normal Nike school. No, I went up to Seattle to, you know, be focusing on my Chinese and it found me. Um, and honestly, later on, the recruiter told me the reason why I got the job was because of, you know, personality and all this, but also that like I'd already, I already had ties in the sporting or the sports area of the school. Um, I was short. <laughs> I, I, I am short. No, I am short, and I'm loud, and I'm you know, and very bossy. So I, because I would, I because of those traits in my freshman year, I had a classmate who they happened to um, had one of their coxswains on the crew team. It's a rowing team. She dropped out, and they needed a new coxswain, a new short, bossy, loud person. And she, she said, "We need, we need one immediately. Can you, can you help us?" So I said, why, why not? Sure, I'll be on the rowing team. I have never, I had no idea how to ride or, you know, drive a boat, but okay. And because of that experience, that was why they picked me to be in this Nike role. I mean, talk about providence, talk about timing and just being at the right place. Exactly. So I could have prepared all that, but no way would I have prepared for how all, how Nike just wanted to hire campus reps and, you know, pick one for UW and, you know, so all of that to just say it, we can do all of our preparation, but certainly the rest sort of takes care of itself. So, yes, I went and prepared and kept on working for Nike even after graduation. I ran, you know, I was in their Nike.com team. And then I, I, you know, I learned marketing from one of the best. Exactly. And then I thought, okay, well, oh, well, um, can I do this marketing? You know, and I did it domestically. I wanted to do it globally. I, I love languages. I speak five. Um, and, uh, and so I thought, well, what if I do this globally? And, and Adi happened to be recruiting. And so I worked for Germany for a while for Adidas. And then I thought, well, what if I, can I do marketing outside of sports and apparel? Because that's all I knew. And, and, um, and I ended up getting recruited for HP. And I did, you know, join their team of marketing intelligence where we learned how to mine consumer data to help make, you know, multi-trillion dollar decisions. Um, and, and after that, I thought, okay, I don't think I can work in high tech, you know, and work with engineers in pajamas all day long. I think I still really love being in front of consumers. So uh, I wanted to pivot, and I, um, as such, I, I switched and I went to business school in Switzerland, as you mentioned, um, focusing on international business. But I think my heart was always in Portland, and so my husband didn't want to get exported just yet, <laughs> so I had to come back to Portland. <laughs> and and I ended up working. I love bringing products to market, and so I I went to work for Ziba Design um, right there in the Pearl District. And they just happened to be at the beginning of opening their China practice. And so the timing, again, was right. And, and I literally led a team um, that, that drove, oh gosh, I want to say 30% of their revenues in the first three years, the, the three years I was there. And we won all kinds of awards and got into Fast Company. Um, for articles, and um, we, the, our biggest client ended up being the Nike of China at the time that they needed to prepare for the Beijing Olympics wow. um, in, in China. So a very fun ride of, of trying to be true to who I was and just trying to get prepared as best as I could and letting sort of the timing and, and, and all that kind of come into play. Wow, what an amazing experience! Yeah. And now, uh, when do you decide to to launch? You know, to go out it alone and and you know, tell us about Gumi Kids. Sure. So right at that, you know, maybe the third year of being at Ziba, I I got pregnant and and I had my little one, and I thought I was going to go back um, to run. You know, just go right back. I got a nanny already lined up, and then when I met her, I had my pivotal moment where. 
I, I can't go back to the person I was. Um, I was going to China probably every six weeks. Um, and the thought of you know leaving her so often just broke my heart. So I knew I had to have a new portfolio, some some new way. Um, for a while, for the first six months, I tried to sort of balance it all and recognizing that if I want to be really super engaged mom, but really, you know, I knew the business side of me was also integral. I needed a new a new way to do this. And as luck, or perhaps as you've seen in my life story so far, would, would have it or providence, my uh, old high school friend came to visit me to teach me how to be a, a better mom. <laughs> we were at my <laughs> kitchen table. And um, I had a lot to learn, you guys, a lot to learn. And uh, she was looking at my, my baby's, you know, apparel and, and stuff that she was wearing. And she saw these baby mittens that had like a rubber band on it. <laughs> oh. She said, well, what's that about? Talk to me about that. Talk to me about it. And I said, it's awful. I thought I'd trim her nails, but they grow like eight <laughs> times a day. It's like fangs. And she scratches her face. And, and I just wish, you know, there was, it was better made. And she said, actually, I have an idea for that. And I have an idea for other products. I just don't know how to bring them to market. And, and I'm like, pause. And I thought, you know, that's what I do for a living, right? And um, <laughs> wow. it kind of started there. <laughs> wow. It found me. It uh -huh. found me. It's the short answer. That's fantastic. And and that, that's when you guys, you know, started getting together and said, like, okay, you know, there's something here. Yes. Yeah, there's something here. We started brainstorming, like, well, what else? Should, how, how should we do this? If, if we had our wish list of, Um, what it would mean to be a really engaged mom and a really engaged other part of, of our lives, which is a business person, what would that look like? What would a company look like that would enable, you know, that kind of new mom um, to really be at her best? And, you know, what kind of products would we bring out in the market? And, and, and what are our hours? Of course, they would be nine o'clock to three o'clock because we would drop off the kids and then go to work and then we would leave at three o'clock to go pick up. And, yes. and those are the kind of moms that we and parents that we would hire, people who want to do that. Yes. Um, and of course, we would give back. Um, of course, we would build a, a supply chain that actually creates thoughtful product and not create a lot of waste. Um, we were finding products that in the baby space that were either functional, but they were ugly. If they were pretty, they didn't work. And if they were good to the environment, they're not of the first two, usually. Mm -hmm. And we're like, this is awful. Now we're creating three types of products to serve one, you know, one need um, and creating all kinds of waste in the planet. Yeah. So, of course, we would make products that should do all of those things so and what, create less waste. What are those products? What? Uh, so our from? first product actually was the, the, the baby mitten um, because it, it is a baby essential in the early days. Um, babies do nails grow very, very fast and they have poor motor control in their hands. Mm. So that's why baby mittens are always on every checklist that mommies need to um, prepare for when they go to the hospital, when they bring baby home for the first time, all the way through that first eight months or so when baby finally can control their hands better and, and you know, the, their hands are, are long enough or fingers long enough to be able to trim. Um, socks that didn't stay on, but, we, you know, babies lose their heat. From their fingers the to feet, their toes yeah. to their head, they lose the heat escapes so fast they don't control their temperature. Yeah. So that's why they keep them covered. Socks never stayed on. What's the point of them? Um, and so we created um, boots or socks that look like booties, so they can be worn in and outside of the house that really do stay on. Um, that have the function of both um, socks 
and baby booty. There were baby booties that were created for little ones that were too big or they're made of leather. Babies sleep eight times a day. Uh, you don't need leather booties and they're, and they're not breathable very well, so they're sweaty. Um, so we just tried to minimize and create a product that's essential that yeah. you don't, you know, that, so that we don't create more waste. And, and uh, our company since the beginning also really committed to giving back. Um, you know, it was important for us that we were not just benefiting our kids, but we were benefiting other kids um, and try to give them a leg up. So we realized that between Portland and um, my home country, Philippines, that um, a shared pain was human trafficking. And uh, babies as early as three years old can um, get, you know, roped in. And um, a lot of work was going into rescuing them, but a little known statistic that eight out of 10 of them go back um, oh. to willingly because they don't have a other better options, other choices. And so we thought, well, that's awful. What's the point of rescuing them if 80% of them go back? Yeah. Mm. So we started figuring, you know, helping and you know, saying we're going to commit 10% of our profits to, to help with that cause. That's awesome. Um, just to say, to know that like, no matter how small yes. of an effort, no matter how small of a product it can be, that we can make a difference, that we don't have to be Bill Gates. We don't have to be <laughs> yes. Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs or, you know, yes. to make a difference in our world, to, to, to make a statement that we can do, we can make change from the smallest of places. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. And then we have a lot of uh, startups and, and uh, businesses that are like established and uh, are doing really well that um, mm -hmm. say the same thing you're saying right now. Uh, how to give back to our community when uh, there's a need and um, we don't need to be big uh, to start doing it, but um, but just to find uh, where you can, when you can help um Others and it's just yes. like being entre entrepreneur with a cause. I think one of our yeah. previous guests have mentioned that I'm an entrepreneur with a cause. Yes, um, uh, that, that phrase stuck with me. Mm -hmm. um, but let, let, let us give a, sh a shout out to one of our sponsors here. Yes, let's do that. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge for any invoices, phone calls, emails, text messaging, or they're just... They just get the damn job done. <laughs> find the, find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Well, Lily, and, and you know, now moving forward, you know, we, we met a, a few years ago at a, a startup competition that we, you know, uh, that's as a right. group, yeah, shout out to our um, our sponsors, I guess, investors, OT, you know, the OTVC in Beaverton, OTVC, uh, which, by the way, you know, for uh, entrepreneurs that are in the area or want to move to the area, OTVC gives a $25,000 no strings attached uh, investment. Uh, mm -hmm. Out of you know, I think in our cohort were, were 95 companies that apply. Five got the prize. You get $25,000 cash plus free rent for a year uh, in, a, mm -hmm. in a great environment. So you know that's why I met Lily. You know a couple of other co-founders, and we've stuck. Uh, we've been there for three years now. Wow. Or, yeah. Know, for, yeah. So it's not, it's not only the cash a prize, which certainly helped you know start a you know propel the business, but also you know the the, the people that surround you. 
uh, all the um, the investment, community, you know, the sure. community, and also having the backing from uh, you know from 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 a state agency. So mm-hmm. if you apply OTVC, I think the right now it's actually open. Uh, mm-hmm. Just apply. It's an OTVC.org. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, free shout out. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah, because it it it, 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 yes. it it's a great help. Um, and definitely. Definitely. Not nobody can do it alone. But Lily, now that we're in the in the subject of funding, how do you start the company? Uh, do you you know have you know, obviously you started with uh, personal funds, and then how was your experience trying to raise funds in in Portland in a city that is not very diverse? You know, there's not a. It's very difficult to get money. Number one, overall. But especially if you're a minority, if you're a woman, if and if you're a minority woman, it's even you know harder. Absolutely, no. Came from Jose, that little boy I grew up with. No I'm joking. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a no, billionaire right now. <laughs> it's Jose Cuervo. Yeah, take care of those early relationships. You never know. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I mean, we both my um, in the beginning we cobbled what we could my business partner and I like she went and refinanced you know and I did what we could here too to kind of do the same thing of just kind of scrappy fun and we were just really we were really stingy about like how to like make our you know our money last um in the beginning so it's just like being you know really good at, at, at trying to seek and ask for support, um, you know, or trade services. You know, I, I was lucky that I got to meet so many um, talented designers and, and um, that helped us in the R&D aspect of our work, the consumer research of our work, thanks to the Ziba time. And so we would just trade services. How can I help you um, on the business? You know, a lot of them wanted to start their own. Um, so we would, I would help with some strategy there. And in turn, they would help me with some industrial design or, or consumer research stuff. Um, and just getting really creative in the early days about um, stretching, you know, and trying not to use up the cash as much as possible um, with with a little tiny cash that you had. And actually, you know, we were kind of different in, in, in many people's stories in that maybe it was just because of being mom, maybe it was because of being woman um, or Asian. I don't know all of the above, but I tend to just sort of like think that we didn't really have. Uh, you know, resources in the city to go after. We just tried to DIY everything. Yeah. Um, imagine my delight and surprise and shock that, you know, when we got into that incubator, the OTVC, that, oh my goodness, all these resources are here the whole time. Yeah. Uh, imagine we probably had less headaches or less, you know, stress. Um, so yeah, total encouragement to all those entrepreneurs out there. You really are not alone and that there's way more funding and support than you actually realize. Just start asking around. Um, we didn't, we, you know, and, and, um, it was thanks to just my past experience in the context that I had that allowed us to, you know, go a little further, um, and, and being stingy about, you know, really our spend and keeping cash in. Um, and then we, we didn't really need to seek funding until, um, you know, year six of, of our existence. Uh, and, and we've been growing and just kind of keep funneling back. Um, how did I see, how did I get funding? Because as you grow, you need money for inventory yeah. for a physical product rent. Uh, access checks from the bank and credit cards. Take care of your um, credit score, everybody. You know, like literally, you know, for... I, I, I don't hear this very often. People talk about maxing out their credit cards. Maybe that's what it did. But you get if your credit score is good, you get these access checks in the mail, and that's what worked for us. We would get anywhere from one to you know two and a half percent 
um, cost of borrowing for 14 months. Um, and, and then that was it, you know, and, and we get all, you know, and we had enough turn in our inventory that we were able to easily recruit and pay that back, um, without, you know, giving up any other equity or anything else. Um, so it was a very, very low cost of borrowing for, for operating capital. Yeah, well, right. given until the we times, got to, until we got to yeah. a bigger size. No, given the times, you know? absolutely, you, you you get creative and you get funding from where you are. But you, so you didn't spend a lot of time, you know, pitching to investors or no. Okay. No, we spent our time like you know really just going out there and and getting our product to consumers, um, getting our product distributed to to uh, wholesalers and and trade shows. Um, back in the day when. You know, when brick and mortar was much more relevant to, to mommies, um, we would go look on the websites of, of these brands that we, we thought, okay, if, if that brand is in that baby boutique, then we belong in that baby boutique. Yes. And yeah. literally, mm-hmm. we would go to each of their store, you know, websites and look at their store locator, copy and paste. Mm-hmm. And we would put our mittens in a little envelope with a little sales kit and send it to them um, with a little letter. And literally, we got as bad as a 30% hit rate and as good as a 50% hit rate for those, you know, little sales kits. It cost us like, what, maybe $5 maximum all in? Oh, and wow. and to get a wholesale account, like, yes. half the time, yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. Yes. We went from Can- zero to 1,700 baby boutiques in about two and a half years. Wow, That's remarkable. amazing. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit uh, uh, more about your team? Like, uh, you said something um, that caught my attention. Like, y- you you have to seek for these connections uh, and then put together something that that it's going to grow your revenue. Uh, how yeah. how do you build that? What what's your team like taking this? Like, can you tell us about that? how my team is constructed right now or who correct, does correct. what the team or how, how do we build revenue? How did you, like a little bit of everything, like how the sales part came uh, into play uh, and then also your team. So this is the strategy on uh, how we're going to tackle uh, ourselves, how we can uh, grow uh, our revenue. Sure. So we thought when we came out, we thought, oh, we're, we're going to direct to consumer, you know, right to mom. Yes. And um, I think our first day of launch, we sold 20 pairs of it and we're like looking at each other like, okay, that the site didn't break. <laughs> <laughs> now what we spent all of our money on inventory, we're like, we have no money on marketing. And we sold 20 pairs. You know, like, this is not good. This is not good. And, you know, quickly we're figuring out how, how do we pivot? How do we pivot? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully, you know, we had 20 stores, right? And we, we, we've done our interview in the beginning. Um, we're talking to these stores, you know, is this the right product? Is this the right packaging? What do you think about this pricing? So we went back to those stores. And by the time that we released our product, they're like, we would love to take it. Yes. So we went, you know, packed our product in, in the store and, and, and went on a road show in Portland and to all these baby boutiques to get our first customers. And of course, when you have these conversations with them, they'll tell you like, oh, so you should go to blah, 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 trade show or this and that, you know, because you're um, going to find more of us. Uh-huh. Right? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. We go to that, you know, and slowly as you keep, you know, staying focused with your customers, they'll tell you, mm-hmm. they'll tell you where that you should be selling. They, exactly. They'll tell you what products you need to develop next. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's what got, thanks to those conversations with those retailers, one, they all bought and, you know, each each wholesale order was a hundred dollars. Where each you know consumer order on our website was twelve. They were like, we like wholesale, you know, yeah. and 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 literally they prepay, 
And so that's how we got early revenue that was literally served as cash flow for us early on. And these stores would then have their own website. Um, so it was marketing at the store, but it was also marketing our products online. Um, it gave us um, visibility and validation to other customers that were legit when we're in these stores. Um, we, you know, we, we kept going. We kept going to trade shows, and the first one that we went to was in Seattle, and it was in a it was in one of those sweet hotel things, and your booth was in your suite. <laughs> we didn't know we're not supposed to bring product. We brought our product in our trunk. Like Phil Knight did with his shoes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and we, yeah. we brought, you know, U.S. Postal boxes and we, we put together like what would be a starter pack, right? Mm-hmm. Like a $100 starter pack. And literally, we every customer that would come, we talked about our stuff and like, here, just buy the starter pack. You can take the product with you. And they're like, we didn't know we could take product. Like, usually you have to order and don't get it till two months later. They were so excited. They had product in their hands. Yes. Everybody that came into our hotel room got one of those boxes. Yes. Like, we sold out of our inventory. Because they're like, yeah. I mean, we didn't know any different. Like, so, um, and then, you know, the woman neighbor was like, you guys should go to this next show. I was like, okay, we'll go to the next exactly. show. And we just kept doing that, like keeping our yeah. ear to the ground and kept going. Yes. Um, and that's how, you know, we grew into specialty. Um, and ultimately, like big box stores, like um, Bye Bye Baby, which is owned by Bed Bath & Beyond, um, Target. Uh, Nordstrom's, you know, that's how we got to know um, and meet those retailers is because of going to those trade shows. That's amazing. So, yes. and, 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 you know, when you grow, it is a, it's a good indicator of who you should be hiring next. So, so for us, it's like, oh my goodness, our wholesale business is growing. Um, we do need, you know, in both of us, we're involved in wholesale. Um, who's fulfilling for us? You know, like we, we land these orders, who's going to ship these orders? Like, mm-hmm. If, you know, so fulfillment was a critical role that we hired next, you know, in operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, as more and more shows, you know, kind of going on, we needed to order more inventory and manage our factory, like, our, you know, as they were scaling. So we needed somebody to help manage our factory and getting our orders in so that we could do all of our time focused on selling. Exactly. Um, as founders, if there's nobody else, most of the time, unless you're really not a good salesperson um, or you're afraid of people, that, that, um, most of the time, the founders are still really the best salespeople because they will have a different level of passion um, and know-how of the product um, than than just say another salesperson. Yes. So, you know, the the growth of the business eventually um, dictated who we should be hiring and how we should be um, uh, staffing up. True. Very true. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed with your story, by the way. I, uh, I think Thank that, you. yes, I work also for Nike for, uh, 16 years and my last, wow. yeah, for my last seven years, I was, uh, uh, in sales and, uh, all the passion that you're talking about and, and Nike just like makes it like live it. Um, I, oh, I, yeah. I learned, I learned and lived and eat and breathe Nike for 16 years and Uh um, when you are attached uh, to something or a product or um, uh, something that you really want in life is is where uh, passion comes from and and then um, Mm -hmm. I believe that 
a lot of uh, clients that I have uh, have that passion too, but they don't know how to start, where to go. And then uh, connections and networking is a part of uh, growth and success. So you, Agreed. yes, yes, I, I, I think that I'm, I, I'm very, I'm very, very passionate of uh, people that understands that because uh, other than that, it's just like you cannot do it alone. You have to so- seek for, for help and for people that can put you into that next step. Yes, I 100% agree with that. And then I think learn a lesson from me. Try not to get too isolated early. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but um, I, I was fortunate in my, in my story in that um, because I was, you know, uh, collecting my experiences and I was still in footwear and apparel a lot, a lot of those networks already kind of came into play. When I needed somebody in supply chain, I call up, you know, I knew who to call. When I knew I needed somebody to help me with um, consumer research, I knew who to call. Exactly. Um, and so I was fortunate in that way. Whereas yes. I think for, that can be really a debilitating um, notion for somebody who is completely fresh into the space in the industry. But with that said, I think the beauty of today, um, of starting today compared to even eight, ten years ago, is that there's this powerful tool called Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm yes. shocked. Yes. I am shocked at how you know you can reach somebody who's you know who you want to emulate or who you want to get inspiration from, and say, "Hey, I'm starting to do this thing," and and how you know you send them a DM, and and how more often than not they respond to you and then they're willing to help or connect mm-hmm. you to somebody who is LinkedIn. Similar idea, yes. you know, like we didn't have these tools before. Um, to make our world smaller and to uh, than, than it ever has been. Um, and to, and to, to get the resources. And, yeah, all yeah. the resources. And, and, then, and then there are way more groups than there used to be. You know, even places like um, Starbucks, in, you know, in Portland, um, where, you know, startups can go and, and say, like, hey, I want to just be with other, like, founders and pitch fest are great ways to go and meet people and network. Mm. And OEN, um, to be able to start to point you in the right direction of who might be helpful in your project. Um, Mm -hmm. Totally. And, you know, even the the search for talent, you know, like places like Upwork now where we have that before, you know, 10 years ago, like I just need to go hire, you know, a Facebook ninja, ad (laughs) ninja, like, you know, and then literally you can find them with reviews and rankings and recommendations, you know, like those tools weren't there before. So yes. as scary as it may seem, you know, to not have those networks of who to call, the resources are more available than they used to be um, of, of aggregated places that you can then begin to search um, to narrow down who to call. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. I, uh, I'm amazed. And so, then what's, what's the plan for Gumi Kids now moving forward? I mean, Lily, you know, fast forward, she's raised, you know, more capital. Now she's, you know, she's got a, a good mm-hmm. treasure chest. She's, you know, building her company. It's been growing rapidly. What, 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 what's the next step for Gumi for, for the next year, year and a couple of years? We want to continue being the best baby essentials out there for moms in the first two years that, um, and, and early, we, we, we serve preemies as well. Um, so we want to be that go-to brand that moms think about that, like, what what do I use for my baby that I know is going to be good for her, is going to make my life easy as a mom and help us be at our best every day together so we can enjoy 
this journey of motherhood and babyhood together that much better. That's so, what we want to be. Um, and to do that here in the U.S. and certainly faithfully in the, the markets that we serve overseas. Yeah. And, yeah. and just, just so you guys have an idea, in the office, uh, we're four companies and we're three, yeah. three guys. And how many women, Lily? Um, we're all women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and three guys. Of yes. course. <laughs> don't discriminate, fellas. We have a lot of male partner um, consultants yeah. and, um, uh, and other teammates that we have. But as far as our core team, it, it we're all cool women. Company. It just sort of happened yeah. that way. <laughs> yes, yeah. It is really cool to see that, you know, just women. And not just because Lily wants to do, do it, but a, a, a completely women-driven organization. It's amazing. Yes. And, and just to say something, like I also have a... A son, and then I know how hard it is to be away from him. That that's one of the reasons that I left the company uh, because mm -hmm. I was traveling so much and I wasn't able to to be with with him. Uh, and and then here I am, like two years later, thinking still like what is going to be my next step. And uh, thank thank God for people like Edgar that um, I'm being like trying. I mean, using yes, yes. Well, okay, he's like what? what? <laughs> no, Edgar's so what good at connecting people. Exactly. So good. Yes, and then and then you know what? It's just like uh, after after being in, in corporate for so long, it's it's coming out to a world that uh, that I didn't know. I started so young, and and then this is this is the the part where like where 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 do I go? What should I do? Who do I connect with? So. Uh, Edgar is one of like mentors that uh, are like always like constantly uh, telling me, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. And then it also has a great uh, startup story. So I'm so passionate of businesses. And then that's, that's why I do what I do uh, with, with my job, because um, I, I feel like uh, bringing a product into market is, is very hard. And, and then we need, it's a process and then we need that. We definitely yeah. need help. And it's like a baby. Yes, it's, it's like your a baby. baby. It's it is definitely yeah. a baby. And then some. Yeah. yeah, not as painful as a baby. baby inhales cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, and then uh, I want to know a little bit more about how is that uh, mom life doing with uh, with the business that is growing, and um, and then your personal life. Well, as as with anything in life, I suppose it has good days and bad days. Yes. <laughs> You know, on the good days when um, someone, you know, talks to my daughters and then say, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yes. You know, and, exactly. and totally unprompted by me. And I'm just sort of eavesdropping. And she's like, I think I want to be a boss someday. Um, I think I want to be a boss of Gomi. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe something else. You know, but yes. the fact that um, I can even inspire or give my girls a notion that that's possible um, is, is huge to me. Um You know, that's, that's a win for the day, yes. um, for sure. And, and then there are bad days when, you know, like, you know, too many fires happen, you know, all at once. And, you know, because you cannot control everything in your, your startup as much as you want to. And, yeah. um, and you don't necessarily, you know, forget to turn off the filter, you know, like of that, that, that stays at the office. And you bring some of that frustration home. And yes. you bring angry mommy home or impatient mommy, you know, <laughs> and that's not cool. And um, so... Yeah, you know, it's, it comes with all of that, and and to, um, but in those bad days, you know, to be honest with with my girls, like that's kind of one of our policies. Like, sorry, you guys got you know impatient mommy today or short mommy. Um, that's not that's not the best of me. 
and and uh, you know I'm gonna work we're gonna work on that and this is this is why that happened and um, help me put some more boundaries up or make sure you remind mommy to put that phone down you know and then um, so that's kind of our fun rule now like it's become sort of a, a joke when it's like I pick up when like they see me on the phone they're like they're signaling to me like that's off now right that's off and then it's good <laughs> you know that we we turned something that you know, was was potentially a source of more pain um, that like. No, it's family time now, and, and and make sure to get that separated as much as we can. So we fully attentive in in the areas that we we are when we're there. Um, so, but it, it's you know, and and have a lot of forgiveness for yourself. I think would be one that I've learned over the this thing. Like we're for as much as we're gonna try to get it right, there will always be days you know where we're not, where we're gonna absolutely in glory you know have like this you know go down in flames day, and and and. and to be forgiving with yourself in those days, you yes. know, because tomorrow you're going to do it again <laughs> and the yeah. next day and the next day. Um, when you, when, when I realized when that was so pivotal to me that when I, I gave much more forgiveness to myself, like it became, the journey was much funner um, for me and my team and my family, everybody that's involved. Um, so yeah, just having that sort of expectation that, Yes, there will be definitely glorious days. And for every one of those, there'll be about a thousand inglorious ones. Yeah. And that's yeah. how the journey goes, you know, and and make sure that you have your support um, lined up definitely. in those inglorious days because there's way more of those yeah. um, that, that keep you real uh, and that keep you centered on the right perspective. And um, because those glorious days are worth it, they're pretty awesome when they come. Um, but that to remind us what we're really doing this for. Exactly. Um, cause, and cause a scorecard is, is not just about revenue and profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, the scorecard is much broader than that. And to, to, the support will help us, you know, reset that perspective, um, on those dark days. Cause, and, and remembering that they come a lot yes. more than we realize. Oh, yes. I totally agree. And then, I mean, you're doing it for you. You're doing it for your family, like you said, for your team and the people that are uh, under you there. You're building also um, uh, a great um, a, a great future for, for a lot of people and you're creating jobs. So mm-hmm. um, uh, thank you so much, Lily. And, Lily, thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so, so it's much. It's an honor. No, <laughs> the Thanks. honor is ours, and you know, always a pleasure. And uh, I'll probably see you in the office in a little bit. See you in the office soon. <laughs> see you. Take care, guys. Thank you Enjoy so much. Weekend. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Today's episode of Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. They offer comprehensive PR services, and Publicize becomes a member of your team and can promote multiple PR announcements monthly. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them that Claudia and Edgar sent you. Coming up next, a rebroadcast of Startup Start, Startupathon, the 24-hour podcast recorded from April 2nd to April 3rd at the Bigfoot Podcast Studio in Portland, Oregon, and broadcast live on the Startup Radio Network. Thank you and happy Friday. Happy Friday. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast with your hosts, Edgar Navas, founder of Clica, and Claudia Cardenas. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. 
Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin MacLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero. 